I never got any money from you. Be normal. And now, Mr. Edwards, I would like to make a disclosure, which is something which has never been revealed to the public. This is The Saucer Life, exploring the history and lore of flying saucers. The Saucer Life is a podcast in which we look at concepts, events, or people orbiting the world of flying saucers. Few preconceptions, snark when justified, no belief, no debunking, snark when justified. Yes, I felt the need to say it twice. This is Sito's New Friends. There's a good chance if you've been hanging around the flying saucer stuff for any length of time, you've heard of Sito's New Friends. It's less likely that you've read it because you've read about it. And isn't that really the same thing? Well, I just recently got a copy of Sito's New Friends, and as you know, I've been fascinated for a while now with UFO books aimed at kids. We've done a couple of our little saucer afterlife episodes about them, so I decided that Sito's New Friends would be an eye-opening experience. Now, Sito's New Friends was written by Leah Haley, and I want to give you a warning. This is not an episode about Leah Haley's abduction experiences. I'm planning a Read These Books episode uh, that includes her books and some other books we'll be mentioning uh, in this episode. So hang on for that. Uh, hopefully the next episode we'll be looking at Leah Haley's books and some other books. Um, but uh, all that depends on the Postal Service. So we're not looking at Leah Haley. We're looking at Cito's New Friends specifically. Um, and while this started off as just a look at Cito's New Friends and the reaction to it, it soon segued into the, the topic of more broadly evangelizing kids into saucerdom. So it goes in a couple different directions. Hang on. So the basics first. Leah A. Haley was, in the early 1990s, an alien abductee who wrote about her experiences in a book called Lost Was the Key. In 1994, she published Sito's New Friends, um, the press release from Greenleaf Publications, which was her own imprint and, uh, and, and book mail order sales company, pitched it to potential retailers and readers in the following way. Ignoring what she says were threats at gunpoint to keep silent about her abductions by chalky colored creatures with big black eyes, an educator has published an illustrated book to ease young children's fears about extraterrestrials. Based on author Leah Haley's personal experiences, Cito's new friends has psychologists debating the wisdom of depicting ETs as friendly. Had I been taught about aliens as a child, I would have suffered less trauma from my encounters, says Haley, who was declared sane by all three therapists she saw to seek a cure for memories of abductions by aliens. The government's policy for blacking out news of these experiences causes a lot of fear. We then hear from Richard Boylan, um, psychologist who we've talked about in, uh, in a previous episode and from whom we'll hear much more later. This is what uh, Dr. Boylan had to say about Cito's new friends. It's an excellent tool for helping children assimilate these bizarre experiences and a valuable aid to parents who are trying to understand. I highly recommend it. But controversy remains at a fever pitch. A well-known abduction researcher would not endorse Lost Was the Key, Haley's nonfiction account for adults, for fear his name might be connected with her children's book. Quote, teaching children that ETs are friendly is like teaching them to take candy from strangers, he says. 
it would have been a lot more fun if they'd said who the well-known abduction researcher was. Um, although if this uh, denunciation was fabricated and sort of crafted to raise the community's suspicions about which researcher this might have been and get people talking, that's sort of clever. But I, I doubt that was the case. In the early 90s, um, that's when it was, I would think this might be Bud Hopkins or John Mack, maybe Leo Sprinkle, probably not David Jacobs at this point. Who knows? I certainly don't. Haley then, and this is all still in the press release, counters this taking candy from strangers issue. Children can run from strangers, but not from aliens. Abductions occur despite all efforts to prevent them. Why not ease the trauma they cause? Look, the aliens are going to grab the toddlers no matter what we do. Might as well get ahead of it. It's, it's a little defeatist, isn't it? A little fatalistic. Um, the press release continues. She's no stranger to trauma. Following one encounter, she says, uniformed men seized her, took her to a military base, drugged her, interrogated her, threatened her with guns, and ordered, you did not see a spaceship. Do you understand? Two master's degrees and a CPA license did not keep her from being fired when she told university officials she would not teach classes on that base. Going public has ruined Haley's marriage and several friendships, but she insists, they'll have to kill me to shut me up. I don't think I've ever seen a press release that talks so little about the actual book, um, and I really enjoyed how it anticipated the firestorm of controversy that would surround the book, and how it paints Haley as a, as a kind of courageous martyr-in-waiting to the cause of UFO truth. And, and like I said, the sly, anonymous researcher who would not endorse her other book, Angle, was intriguing, and at the very least, this would have made me want to check out the book back in the day, which is, of course, what a press release is for. With that in mind, let's take a look at Cito's new friends. Um, now, I put up on YouTube, a, and I, I'll put a link to it in the show notes here, a video where I sort of flip through some of the pages and, and talk about the illustrations, which are a little bit creepy. But the, the basic story is that Cito is an alien. He comes to Earth and meets two little kids, Seth and Annie. He takes them on, their spa on his spaceship. He, uh, he only talks with his eyes, so telepathically, but he teaches the kids to do the same thing so they can communicate. They hang around on the ship for a while, and he takes them back to Earth. They give him a marble that they'd been playing with. He gives them a purple rock, and he promises to be back. That's basically the story. It's not a long book. It's like 20 pages of actual text, but... The we'll talk about the illustrations later, I think, um, probably. But throughout, um, Cito the alien has this little smile, smirky smile thing on his face, except when it's time for the kids to go home. Then it turns to a frown. And what's interesting, and I think I, I mentioned this in the video where I show some of the illustrations, is that the kids have, you know, different expressions on their faces. But when we get to the page where he says, where it says, Cito taught them how to talk with their eyes too, or however it's worded, the kids have the same sort of little smirk on their face that Cito does. I don't know if that was intentional or if that's just sort of the look that, uh, that the artist went with there, but I thought that was significant. So there was another slightly different press release that I have not found in full, but uh, which was quoted in a review of the book that appeared in the MUFON Journal, issue 324. 
Sido's new friends is already polarizing the UFO community. Some despise the book, condemning it as a vehicle for indoctrinating children with the false and dangerous idea that ETs are friendly. Others disagree vehemently. Sacramento psychologist Richard Boylan, founding director of the Academy of Clinical Close Encounter Therapists, is quoted as saying that the book, quote, is an excellent tool for helping the growing number of young children who report extraterrestrial encounters assimilate their experiences. When they see the children in the book interacting with the entity in a matter-of-fact way, their fear, which is harmful, is lessened, end quote. Now, the MUFON reviewer does not agree with Dr. Boylan's assessment of this, uh, of this situation. I personally doubt that growing numbers of children are reporting extraterrestrial encounters. They may be reporting entity encounters, which are interpreted by their parents and others as extraterrestrial in nature, but children have always reported encounters with other than themselves without necessarily assigning any origin, terrestrial or extraterrestrial. I'm also not sure that fear, as such, can be characterized as necessarily more harmful than healthy. The famous fight-or-flight response is hardwired into most biological organisms that have the choice, and was presumably put there for good reason. The trouble with children is that, if anything, they are too trustful, not too fearful. And that right there would be the chief complaint about Cito's new friends, that the book would encourage children to go off with strangers. The extraterrestrial variety, of course, but some commentators also were concerned about weakening children's resolve about avoiding earthly strangers as well. Perhaps the most inflammatory and entertaining review came from the late Bob Gerard, proprietor of Arcturus Book Service, a legendary bookseller whose catalog was a valuable resource back in more analog times. Gerard begins his review with a graphic and visceral recounting of the various bodily crimes supposedly inflicted by the little gray guys from wherever and then segues into his major complaint, his major problem, with Sito's new friends. Of course, none of these things ever happened to the two tykes in the book, and that's what strikes me as being the ultimate big lie that one could ever inflict upon a totally impressionable mind. The idea that the greys are our friends. Sorry, folks. I think it's a bad idea to fill tiny little heads with Santa Claus just because you want to see him glow with happy anticipation around Christmas time. It's bad to stuff Jesus, heaven, and hell into all trusting minds, and it's certainly bad to lie to infants about alien interaction with humans. This is the most unfortunate development in ufology in many years, certain to create numerous traumas of its own for some of its innocent readers, as they find out firsthand what the greys really do with humans. This book is an appalling artifact. We recommend it only for extremely open-minded adults. Keep it locked up like you keep your handguns locked up, so that the kitties don't blow their heads off. Now, according to Greg Bishop, Gerard backed off from the harshness of his review fairly soon after it went public. Quote, too bad, said Bishop in his blog post about the review. But Gerard's words would live on, circulating around the internet and popping up whenever Cito's new friends got mentioned, discussed, or asked about. It's, it's pretty amazing. I think Gerard's review is, might be the, the most widely quoted commentary about the book, really. Another reviewer, longtime paranormal writer Patrick Weege, I think I'm pronouncing that right, although it could be Heige, maybe, probably not, notes uh, both the views of Gerard and the much more positive take of Richard Boylan and uh, presents his own, uh, his own conclusions. Of course, all this assumes the aliens are real. Being an even-handed sort of fellow, I'd say it's possible they are not. 
in which case this book is a fantasy, and it should be perfectly okay to portray the aliens as nice, except for one thing. How is a child to differentiate an alien, real or imagined, from an ill-intentioned human stranger, a kidnapper, a pedophile, a child pornographer? If you're three or four, that might be a tough proposition. And that's my strongest objection to the book. A third of the way into the story, Cito asks Annie and Seth, would you like to go for a ride in my spaceship? And what do the children in the book do? They go. No resistance, no question, they just go. You don't teach little tykes that it's okay to go for a ride with a stranger, regardless of who that stranger happens to be, human or alien. For a children's book, it's a fatal mistake. Haley herself was cognizant of the way her book could be open to interpretation. In the 1998 book, Gray Highway, An American UFO Journey, writers Jonathan Follett and Matthew Holm undertake an epic road trip, interviewing a number of figures in the UFO field, including Leah Haley. Here, Haley opens up about what she's experienced in promoting the book. I've been praised, highly praised, and I've been criticized, highly criticized. I have not met anyone yet who has a middle-of-the-road opinion. People either love it or they hate it. The people who criticize me say things like, why do you tell kids to go off with strangers? The book is not about strangers, it's about aliens, and anyone who reads it can see that quite clearly. We weren't taught about aliens. I wasn't. I wasn't taught about aliens in my church. I wasn't taught about aliens in my school. I got lied to. I felt cheated when I found out that there were aliens. My first experience was when I was three years old, the first one I can remember. The way I see it, if you're educated about something, you're not going to be as afraid as if you have some kind of experience when you know absolutely nothing about it. Now, if you've been listening to our little Saucer Afterlife segments every other week between the regular episodes, you might have heard us talk about a couple of children's books about UFOs. One of our previous subjects, Greta Woodrow, wrote one called See the Colors, Hear the Music. It came out in 1992, so a little bit before Cito's um, New Friends, and was about two young children, a brother and a sister who are taken on a flying saucer ride by a nice alien and taught special mental powers, and the alien said he'd be back at some point in the future. So you may see where I'm going with this. There's very little difference substantively between these two books. So why was one met with some frankly hyperbolic criticism from some corners of the ufological world and barely restrained adulation from others, while a very similar book was met with, well, not really met at all? I'm not sure anyone knew about it or talked about it in the wider UFO scene. I think there are some good reasons beyond Greta Woodrow's very low profile in mainstream ufology for the difference in reaction between the two books. In fact, for the purposes of this comparison, let's imagine a world where Greta Woodrow was a high-profile ufological personality in the 1990s. So what's the difference between these two books? I mean, they're basically the same story. First, I think this is key— Cito is explicitly, obviously a gray. Oga, the fellow from Woodrow's book, looks like, I don't know, dollar store Dr. Seuss character. That's probably the best way to describe it. This ties into the second reason I, I think there was such a such reaction to, uh, to, to Cito's new friends. I think it's that Haley was very much an abductee with a fairly typical, at the time, abductee story, and Woodrow was a contactee. Basically, there's a sense that a contactee is going to have a very positive message and that such a message would not necessarily be harmful to children or anybody else. An abductee, on the other hand, 
while there are positive abduction encounters, and abduction might not be the best word to use in these cases, there are positive encounters with greys. Um, there are also sort of neutral encounters. The general sense, sort of the, the general impression people have is that abduction by gray, big-eyed guys is going to lead to some bad stuff up on the spaceship. And I think the use of a gray by an author in a book about meeting aliens that was aimed at small children triggered a very sharp reaction, not necessarily because of what was in the book, but because of the baggage that had begun to grow up around the abduction topic. Because really, Cito's new friends is not as creepy as I'd always anticipated. If you just read the stories, the, or the words, of the story, it's not different from Woodrow's kid's book. And I suspect the illustrations contributed a great deal to the book's damaged reputation. I made a little YouTube video, as I, as I said before, looking at some of the book, and uh, the, the link to that is in the show notes. After a short informational break, we're going to take a look at some other ufological activities aimed at kids, or, as we'll see, aimed at star kids. To sort of put a bow on Cito's new friends itself, I think, um, I think it was very much a book that was, was not helped by the illustrations, as you'll see if you look at some illustrations of the book. I think the alien looks um, cute, but it's a gray, so that baggage is going to be there. I think the kids look insanely creepy. I think the story is fine. I uh, I don't think the kids are – I don't think it sort of would encourage kids to go off with strangers. I don't think it would discourage kids from going off with strangers. But um, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. I was a little surprised. I thought it would be uh, – I thought it would be a little more uh, – a little creepier than it ended up being. But you know what? That's okay. Sometimes it's nice to have our uh, our expectations subverted a little bit. Okay. little break. And then we'll talk about – some star kids. Next time, we're going to be taking a closer look at the other work of Leah Haley, both related to her abduction experiences and her later reinterpretation of these experiences. And we'll also be dipping into a couple of other books mentioned briefly today, including Gray Highway. You can check out past episodes, read some reviews of saucer-related stuff, and support the show at saucerlife.com. Thanks very much to those who've donated in the past, um, because you bought me my copy of Cito's New Friends. We're on Twitter and Instagram at saucerlife, or you can email us at thesaucerlife at gmail.com. You can contact us by post at Chizo Media, P.O. Box 68, Grand Blanc, Michigan, 48480. The Saucer Life, as I think you know, is available anywhere you can find podcasts. Okay, so almost exactly two years ago, in May 2018, we looked at the abduction research of Dr. Richard Boyland. As you'll recall, his assumption was that genuine ET encounters were generally positive. Any negative experiences were probably fake abductions done by the government to discredit the good name of the aliens. That's a rough generalization, but it's not, you know, inaccurate. By the turn of the 21st century, he was focusing more on what he called star kids, children who had some alien heritage to one degree or another. In January 2000, he advertised a weekend-long workshop for such kids and their families. The workshop, he explained, is designed for those special children aged 6 to 16 and their parents who have been touched by a heritage from the stars. These children are special, as their sometimes bewildered and bemused parents know all too well. They often seem to be little adults in children's bodies. They often have a gaze and a knowingness that belies their years. 
Telepathic downloading of information, often during the night in what are made to seem like dreams, increases the range of knowledge and perspective with which these children operate. These children seem at home with complex devices which their parents sometimes struggle to master. Can your toddler work an iPad better than you? Aliens. Your kids seem to be more mature than other people's kids? Aliens. They have weird dreams? Aliens. More significant are another group. Some of these children are what I call star kids. These children's very conception, like Jesus's, was due to more than mere human reproduction. These star children are either much brighter, more cosmic-minded, more psychic, or all three than their human peers. Some of them even remember a previous life in which they lived with their E.T. family, although invariably I've found that they had volunteered for a round of incarnation as a human on Earth, particularly at this pivotal time. These kids are often confused at first by the primitiveness of Earth, their dense physical bodies, and the often witless level of thinking and behavior of their age mates, not to mention many adults they observe. Is your kid a whole lot smarter than their age mates? They're an alien. So, what's this workshop all about? This workshop will provide your child with an environment where they can learn and have freedom to use the advanced abilities and talents they have, such as telepathy, precognition, telekinesis, penetrating intuitiveness, aura reading, and close connection with their ET guardians, without the ridicule or negative peer pressure they would face in ordinary schools. The workshop will also have a component for parents, where these mothers and fathers will get guidance on how to help their star kids be all that they can be. Just once, I want somebody to compliment me on my penetrating intuitiveness. So, what kinds of sessions took place at this workshop? Well, on Saturday morning was The Child and the ETs, The Puzzle Solved, which was a slideshow of different aliens presented by Dr. Boylan. He will tell about what each are like and what they are interested in. Then each child will have an opportunity to express in their own way how the ETs came to them and what took place during their encounter. There will be time for questions and feedback from the other kids. Dr. Boylan will facilitate the use of artwork, storytelling, puppets, and role-play reenactment to bring out the children's experiences and the feelings attached to them. He will also help each child understand better what the ETs are doing and how the child's visit fits into a bigger picture of ET human contact. Meanwhile, where are their parents? I mean at the workshop, not in the general sense of why are their parents abdicating their responsibility to a weirdo abduction researcher. So during the workshop, what are the parents doing? An assistant leader will facilitate the parents having an opportunity to gather and exchange their own experiences about having their child visited by the ETs. The parents will be helped to understand better what is going on and thus better equipped to help their child with their experiences. After a lunch break, there would be an afternoon filled with more dialoguing about the children's experiences using facilitated play and various other things that sound excruciating. Also, quote, the kids will learn how to use discretion and get support without undue exposure to misunderstanding. End quote. I'm not sure what that means. I think it means, basically, kids will be taught not to talk about their alien experiences except with people who are sure to believe them. And at night... Saturday night, there will be a joint child-parent sky-watching party, inaugurated with special meditation and ceremony. This gathering will be to do outreach to the extraterrestrial visitors and send and receive telepathic messages in an extended family way. Any UFO sightings which may occur will be an extra added bonus for the party. 
Any UFO sightings will be a bonus. UFO sightings are not guaranteed. Got that? On Sunday, from 9 a.m. to 1.30 p.m., we have From Frady Cat to Cosmic Kid, What It's All About. We will use our time on Sunday to explore the transformations that a child is going through as a result of extraterrestrial contact. We will help kids understand why they feel and are different and why other children may see them as different. The children will get clearer about the awareness many of them have of having family elsewhere in the cosmos. We will also check out the new and expanded abilities that an experiencer kid so often develops, such as telepathy, knowing the future, aura reading, telekinesis, high empathicness, ability to heal, awareness of other dimensions, cosmic consciousness, and so forth. The kids will be helped to understand why they have been selected to receive certain abilities. They will also learn how to spot other experiencer kids for possible new special friends. The weekend will finish with a special parent-kid closing ceremony. Okay, I'm going to editorialize here, but I think that the events of this weekend workshop of singling out children, telling them that they're super special with superpowers from the stars and that their real family is somewhere out in space, all of this sounds much more potentially damaging, or at least more boring, than 20 pages of Cito's new friends. I'm not the only one who thought this. Um, on, the, uh, on the Usenet post where I found information about this workshop, yay Usenet, um, one poster um, asked, you know, basically, would you entrust your child's mental and emotional development with these people and their commercial venture? Um, he invited, if, if so, why? And if not, why not? No one replied. But those are good questions. Now, the Star Kids thing has intrigued me for a while, um, and I've I've been sort of, you know, paying attention to Richard Boylan for a while now. And and so on his website, drboylan, drboylan.com, Boylan has some interesting information about this amazing phenomenon, including a Cosmo magazine style quiz. There are 54 questions with weighted point values, and um, basically it determines whether or not you're probably a star kid, absolutely a star kid, or just maybe a star kid. I'm not going to go through them all, but these are some of my favorites. The child has a larger-than-average head for his height or age, especially in the front or top of the head. That's one point. In childhood, the child sought out more advanced activities, being bored with and unchallenged by the games the other children his or her age wanted to play. That's another one-pointer. The child is very sensitive and is put off or shrinks away from the destructive, mean, cruel, violent, or wasteful behavior of the other kids and cannot understand why they are that way. One point. <laughs> the child is adept at cross-species communication, both knowing what an animal is thinking and communicating telepathically with that animal, and the animal responds to the silent communication. Oddly enough, that also is one point. Dr. Doolittle was a star kid. The child has admitted using mental thought to influence the behavior of another and is effective at this silent influencing, such as a parent for a second dessert helping. One point. Okay, so having a big head, one point. Undertaking children of the damned style mental influencing of adults, also one point. So what gets you two points? Well, Sometimes at night, the child's consciousness or personality goes elsewhere via out-of-body, astral travel, astral travel, even though the physical body remains in bed and returns later and reports experiences they had elsewhere. That's also one point. Unless they have visited the star visitors astrally, then you get two points. A straight-up two-point question. 
Uh, the child has served at times as a, com- <laughs> as a communication channel for off-planet intelligences and has some awareness of which star visitor is speaking through him or her. That's two points. Um, the child exercises unusual adult-like initiatives for the social good, such as contacting their senator or a television personality to present a plan for achieving peace in a specific situation, or if an adult uncharacteristically begins such world-healing activities. I know when I was a kid and I developed my own plan for Middle East peace and, and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, um, you know, that clearly was, you know, everybody should get along. That was my plan. That only would have gotten me one point as a potential star kid. Um, This is a good one. The child is misunderstood by the school system, mislabeled attention deficit disorder or learning disability because they are bored, under-challenged, or put off by the normal children's learning pace, or mislabeled hyperactivity disorder because of fidgetiness in the classroom out of boredom or because of their thoughts directed to more challenging subjects or because the child is highly focused on a topic of interest and perseveres much longer than is considered normal or mislabeled learning disabled because he or she sees and points out the connections between the subject being taught and other subjects such as history, math, science, art connections when the teacher only wants to hear about the one subject being taught. That's one point. Um... So basically, what uh, what Boylan is saying here is that uh, is that anything outside of, of of basically neurotypical sort of things are an indicator of star being um, of, of star being sort of connections. Um, no. Also, he discusses the existence of star kids schools um, that are being set up by the aliens and their friends here on Earth for supplemental instruction of these special little folks. In what I've been shown, the star kids school is a resource, not a mandatory experience. Such a school would contain not only human-appearing star visitor upgraded Earth kids, but also the more star visitor-looking hybrid kids with thin, wispy hair and oversized eyes and skulls who appear too exotic to mainstream and regular Earth schools. The Star Kids School will be the first safe place for such halfling children to reside on Earth, and of course, the human-appearing star visitor upgraded Earth kids make rather compatible schoolmates for these halfling hybrids to play and learn with. Thus begins the opening phase of integration of the schools, cosmic style, smiley face emoji. Integration of the schools, cosmic style, smiley face emoji. Yes, definitely the defining civil rights issue of our times. Go to hell so much, Dr. Boylan. Finally, he has a list of famous star kids. Where did he get these names? The aliens. Probably. Or, more likely, he picked out famous or sort of famous people he thinks exemplify what a star kid or star adult should be. Here are some examples. Let's see here. Um, He's got uh, Rebecca Brown, star as band bass player Katie in School of Rock. Um, Kevin Clark, 14 um, at the time, as band drummer Freddie in School of Rock. Miranda Cosgrove, star as band manager in School of Rock. Um, Joey Gatos, Jr., star as band guitarist Zach in School of Rock. Um, Let's see. What else do we have here? We've got um, Robert Sy, 13 at the time, star as band keyboardist Lawrence in 
School of Rock. I think this guy has watched School of Rock more than maybe everybody else. Um, who else that you might have heard of? Um, Oprah Winfrey, world-famed author, talk show host, star of The Color Purple, etc. Um, Russell Crowe, Dakota Fanning, uh, Ellen DeGeneres, Dr. Albert Einstein, Linda Evans, uh, Jodie Foster, Nelson Mandela, Gandhi, um, Roseanne Barr, Bono, David Bowie, uh, Miranda Cosgrove. Um, oh, I mentioned her before because she was in School of Rock. Jodie Foster, Martin Luther King Jr., Angelina Jolie, Yao Ming of the Houston Rockets, Alanis Morissette, Barack Obama, Daniel Radcliffe, Meg Ryan, Carlos Santana. Um, <laughs> wow. So these are all... Um, Oh, Jennifer Grey of Dirty Dancing and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Salma Hayek. Um, okay, Salma Hayek is out of this world. I will agree with that one. So what's interesting about this, other than the fact that it's clearly insane, is that, you know, it's funny how all these star kids are, are people who are generally respected in some way. I mean, I don't know what the general public feels about all the kids from School of Rock or why Jack Black wasn't on the list. But... Isn't it interesting that that the star kids don't include, you know, Stalin or Hitler or Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy or Charles Manson or Nixon? How come the star visitors are always admirable or at least famous and haven't been, you know, accused of any horrific crimes as, as far as when they we knew when he wrote this list? I think Boylan is an example of, of a researcher who has let his entire sort of outlook be affected by, by what he thinks are, is the, the moral orientation or the ethical orientation of the, uh, the so-called space, uh, space visitors. And, um, you know, he started off as, as just a regular abduction researcher and, and now is sort of into the space kids thing. Um, he wrote a book about this, a full-length book that is available for free at his website, and we'll be looking at that in the future. So in conclusion, between Cito's new, kid, uh, Cito's new friends and the Star Kids, we, we've got a range of ways that, um, that children have been sort of prepared or conditioned to, um, to, to deal with extraterrestrial encounters from you may experience these bearing, beings you know, don't be scared. Just try to cope as best you can. To yeah, you're you're an alien. You're a star kid. You're better than everybody else. You're you're different and therefore special. And so this is we're going to give you tools for I don't know coping with your your specialness. I'm not sure either of these things are um, helpful for dealing with children who've had traumatic experiences, either paranormal or otherwise, such as not being neurotypical and trying to cope in a, a regular classroom when you haven't received any sort of, of help or accommodations or, um, you know, evaluation of any kind. I'm not sure that, um, just like anybody who has some sort of strange experience, I'm not sure talking to somebody whose specialty is alien abduction would be the first stop I would recommend. Um, there are many different kinds of, uh, of, of therapists and counselors out there. Maybe try a normal one first. But in any case, we've got some more children's stuff coming up in the future a little bit uh, because it's, it's quite a um, 
it's quite a vast field once you get to look at it. But I hope you appreciated and enjoyed this look at Cito's new friends and some other things as well, such as Richard Boylan's Star Kids. Thanks for listening. In the show notes, you can find links to, uh, to some books and other stuff that was mentioned today. Uh, the associate producer of The Saucer Life is Simpson J. Hanover III, and The Saucer Life is a production of Chizo Media, LLC. Chizo Media, working for the good of mankind along the lines of truth. Till next time, keep watching the skies, because the skies are watching you. And you're probably a star kid, just telling you. Bye.